much happier, okay, uh, because we, we know all about you, amen? <laughs> we, we kind of, we, well, we kind of roll in the same company, don't we? We all know what we should have gotten, what we deserve, but because of Jesus, we've got great life, and, and he's doing great things. I think sometimes the enemy uh, gets us to focus on stuff that we don't like or disappointments that we've experienced or shortcomings of our own. And and the reality is, is that, uh, you know, the Bible says that your faith becomes effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ. You begin to acknowledge the good things that are in you in Christ. Your faith begins to be empowered at a different level than ever before. And, and, you know, uh, might as well just live it like you're happy. Amen. So you might as well just live it like you're happy. You might as well, might as well just act like you're a child of God. Amen. Act like you've been redeemed. Act like you've been rescued from the jaws of hell. Act like you've got a future and a hope, regardless of what your friends are telling you. You, you know, you've got, you got great things. How many of you would like God? You know, we sang it tonight. Greater things, right? How many of you would like greater things in your life? Yeah, come on, if, if you want them, I mean, if, if, you, if that's as bad as you want it, fine. But, I mean, if you want greater things, you, you know, uh, what would happen if God responded to you the way that you were pursuing him? Well, i got to tell you something. That's exactly how God's going to respond to you. And, yeah, I'm going to read anything. You know, uh, you, you know, it's so crazy because, you know, uh, the, the video, you know, it's so obvious, isn't it? You know, and, and guys, just just uh, be real careful tonight. But uh, ha- haven't you been in in situations when it's when, when there's a nail sticking out the forehead? Okay, and you know, I look at that video, and I don't I don't just apply that. I don't think that's just a a, a female issue because I deal with people every week. Hello. Right. And, and, and the situation is really, you know, if you look at the book, the situation is so obvious and we want greater things from God. Uh, but maybe maybe what we should do and we'll just take a few minutes tonight and talk about it. And then, uh, uh, you know, we'll go out of here and maybe we should just live life a little bit different. And and pursue. Some awesome things in life. Huh? Pursue greater things. You, you know, you can believe God for greater things. Amen? Look at your neighbor and tell him God's about ready to blow up in your world. Amen. Uh, there's so many scriptures. There's so many scriptures, you know, that we could just start talking about. And, and, and uh, you know, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. For behold, I shall do a new thing. Shall you not know it? Now it shall spring forth. God's about ready to do a new thing, right? God wants to do a new thing in your life. He said, remember not the former things. Remember, that's a cool word. Uh, remember, and re is the prefix that means to, to bring back. And member, you know, think about, uh, you know, your, your body's made up of a lot of different members. And life separates you, tears, rips you apart. And, and you're broken. And he said, hey, don't even go back. Don't remember. Don't bring back the former things. Quit, quit trying to go back because what I'm going to do in your future is going to erase your memory of the past if you'll let it. So I, I, I'm about ready to do a new thing. And it, but in order to get a, a new result, we're going to have to live life a new way. Right? If any man's in Christ, he is new. 
old things gone, right? God, God's wanting to do a new thing in your life. God wants to do a new thing in your mind. God wants to do a new thing in your heart. God wants to do a new thing in your family. God wants to do a new thing in your body. God wants to do a new thing in your business. God wants to do a new thing in your world. And, 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 you know, we're hanging around waiting for God to do something new, and we ain't willing to do anything different. Okay, I'm just making CDs or something. I don't know. Second uh, Kings chapter 3, and uh, we're just jumping here because uh, I have no idea how long this message will take, but it's, God's really been stirring this in me. And starting at verse 9, uh, the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, after a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. Yeah, I just want to just hang right here for a second. I just want to give a little backstory so we everybody get caught up. These these guys have joined forces to pursue uh, some groups of people that have been creating issues, you know, for for their kingdoms. They were they were going out to get them, and uh, they kind of expected this to be a short, easy. Uh, situation, you know, uh, we're going to quickly capture and defeat these enemy forces. And it really wasn't any big deal or anything. It was not like this should take a lot of time. And uh, they, they anticipated a, just, a, just a quick victory. Uh, but it wasn't turning out exactly like they expected. And I think maybe sometimes that's, you know, we're kind of in the same boat. Yeah, ain't going to be no big deal. We're just going to step out and we're going to do these things. But then it turns into a little bit more than what we anticipated. And you get out there in, in, and in the heat and in, in the middle of the desert and, and you start uh, finding out that, oops, you know, we're, we're running out of stuff that's kind of vital, water. And, uh, you know, seven, seven days marching. Uh, I like to after a roundabout march of seven days. They're just marching around seven days trying to hunt these guys down. <laughs> and, uh, uh. No more water. No more water. Look at your neighbor and say, no more water. Verse 10, uh, the king of Israel says, what? That's what it says there. Can't you feel it? I mean, what? Uh, has, the, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of the Moab? Uh, isn't it amazing how rapidly... We forget to mention God when things are going really good and how quickly we blame him when it starts getting rough. They, they, you know, they, they kind of run into some tough times. They've got a hard time. They're tired. Animals are tired. They're thirsty. Animals need water. They're weakened by a journey, dehydrated. What? That God was out here with us. If God was if God was in it, how come it, how come it's not so easy? Because God is in it. What? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say what? You know, you know. Well, if if, if I, I know I know that when you, when you raised your hand and and, and received Jesus, they told you life is going to get awesome. People are going to love you. All your problems are going to go away. We lied. And we told you that to get you to receive Jesus. Now, this is full disclosure Sunday, you know, weekend, and, and we're telling you the truth, that, that when, when, you, uh, when you embark upon a journey and you're going after the will of God, you're going to face opposing forces. You know, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, wish, I wish I could tell you that uh, 
It's never going to get hard. But quite often the hard time serves to push you in a direction towards God. Because when it's going really well, you have a tendency, like everybody else, to kind of begin to forget God and talk about how cool you are. And you're really anointed. You're really smart. Your business is booming because you're just a financial genius. And then stuff comes, and it's like, what? God told me to do this. Yeah, and he's trying to get you back to where he gets to be a part of it again. I know I'm talking to somebody. Almost everybody. Verse 11, but Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire the Lord? See, in their day, they had, they had prophets. We have the Holy Spirit. Right? We, we ain't got to go find somebody to hear from God. They did. We don't. We got the Holy Spirit. And, and, and an officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with that guy. And so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went, went down to him. Look, we've got trouble. We should inquire of the Lord. Hello? Well, I guess all we can do now is trust God. You know, people make those crazy statements all the time. All we can do is trust God. And it's like God is, isn't it weird to picture God as like being the last kid picked for dodgeball? You know, he, he's the last resort. He's like, yippee, I get a play. And he's, he's, he's coming to the scene. Uh, Elisha, uh, just so, just so you remember, Elisha is like the, the main man when it comes to the things of God right now. And uh, Elijah had previously been, you know, the voice of God. He had his own radio program and everything. And, um, uh, and Elijah, just to help, uh, Elijah is first J, and Elisha is second. I used to always get those mixed up. I know you, you probably don't need help like this because you're not, you're, you're more educated than I am. But uh, it helps me to know that S comes after J. So Elisha is the second one, okay? And uh, Elisha has been, uh, he's been handed the baton. He's, he's the guy, and he has performed some amazing miracles even already. Um, there was a creek, a uh, water source that was bitter. It was poisonous, and what, if people drank it, you know, they'd get sick and could die. And he walked up and spoke to it, and, and it purified the water. You know, I mean, his, his ministry has impacted a lot of people. This guy's, you know, and I know what you're thinking. This, this, this guy, he, he, he's, he's radical, he's cool, and, and he loves people. He just, spoke, he just spoke to the water, and it cleaned right up. There was another time uh, prior, to, prior to this situation where some kids were making fun of him, and they called him Old Baldy, and he called bears out of the woods to eat him. And, and, you know, and just to point out that just because God's moving through somebody doesn't mean that they're going to probably respond the way you think they should. Okay, be careful. You say a lot of amens tonight or the bears are coming. You, okay. Uh, you know, last, last week, it's, it's so good. It's always good to be home. It's always good to be home. But last, last week we were uh, in Roseburg celebrating 
uh, with Shelby's family and uh, her mom and dad and their 50th wedding anniversary. And, and, uh, and I had the opportunity to speak in Roseburg at uh, the church there that where we used to be. And, and, uh, and those people were like clapping and throwing money. So you be careful because I can call bears out. Okay. Um, you, you just got to get this picture uh, because these kings have been enjoying great success up to now, but it's like their own success. They almost can't even remember this dude's name. And there's somebody around here who can, who can hear from God. And, I mean, he's, he's already done some amazing stuff. And, and uh, verse 13, Elisha said to the king of Israel, I love, I love Elisha's attitude, why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophet of your father or your mama's prophet. You rode your mama's coattail all the way to now. Keep riding. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together. He's still blaming God to deliver us into the hands of Moab. And Elisha is not exactly user-friendly. He's, he's got a bit of an attitude, and he knows that these guys don't usually involve him or God in their daily venture. And he knows that they don't appreciate God, and they don't honor God. They don't appreciate him. They don't honor him. And he's, you know... He's just got that little toot going. But Elisha says in verse 14, as surely, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I wouldn't even give you the time of day. I love his attitude. You guys suck. <laughs> you know, out of the three of you, there's one that I'd even talk to. But look at verse 15. I love it. But now bring me a harpist. Now, get the picture. These guys are marching. They've been marching for seven days. They're out of water. They're tired. They're weak. They're dirty. They're sore. They're asking for help. And, and he's making it hard. And he says, bring me a harpist. <laughs> bring me a harpist. I mean, really, you carry a harpist with you? When you're on a seven-day march, you know, uh, could, couldn't you ask for a harmonica player? Because those guys are all through this thing. And, uh, uh, and he's like, no, I, bring, bring me a harpist. And look what happens. is while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. I, I want to leave that up for just a minute. Uh, because, you know, sometimes, you know, just, just educational night, okay? Sometimes... Uh, you're sitting here thinking, I don't like that song. I don't like the way they do that music. Or I don't like that. We're, we're not doing it for you. And uh, sometimes, you know, the, the, the person, not just myself, but the, the people who are, who are praying, the people who are ministering, the people, they are having to disconnect from this and connect to this. And there's something going on there that, you know, it, it just changes everything, doesn't it? You know, and, and I, I, lo- I love the fact that he said while the harp guy was playing, you know, the, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And, you know, if you think about it, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool? You know, uh, you, you notice when, when Todd comes and, and he's... And he's uh, He's receiving the offering, and we play softly behind him. And it kind of sets, a, it changes the, the atmosphere a little bit. 
You, you know, um, is, is this on? It is now. Check this out. Just a little. We're, we're going to have just a weird lesson tonight, okay? So somebody comes and they're just telling you that you have a nail in your forehead and you need to take it out. But isn't this better? There's a nail. Sticking right out of your forehead. Not that that hurts a lot. But, but I got good news. God is here tonight with his claw hammer. You know, you feel me? It just changes everything, doesn't it? You know, uh, you're, you know, it's one thing, you know, you're just on your own and you're just kind of crying out to God and God, I want my children to, 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 to serve you. I, I, I want them, uh, you know, I, I want them to honor you. God, I want my kids to honor you. I want them to know you. You know, it, doesn't it just change everything? And the problem is, is that when you're at work, the harp isn't following you around. I mean, wouldn't it be kind of cool? Did, did you see the movie Blazing Saddles back in the 70s? And, and the guy's riding the horse, and the, and the orchestra music's playing, and he, it's a western, and he's riding the horse, and he rides right past the orchestra sitting out in the middle of the desert, and they're going at it. What do we do when we've been marching about for seven days? We're out of water. We're suddenly very much aware of our need of supernatural intervention. I mean, before the march, you know, we were, we were celebrating great successes, but now we're on a hunting trip trying to find out what it is that's been messing with our home, messing with our body, messing with our mind, messing with our family, and we ain't got no harpist. I just think it'd be cool if we could have one on call. Because, it, you know... Sometimes you can press into that place. You, you need the presence of God to come. And sometimes your worship, you're trying to get the hand of the Lord on your situation. When, when we worship, we don't bring the presence of God. He's here already. But it just helps to shift from living this way to live in this way. And if it'll work for Elisha in the middle of a desert, it'll work for you in the middle of Tri-Cities. Look what happens in, in, in verse 16. And he said, and I'm, and I'm telling you, the music's still playing. And he makes this statement, Thus says the Lord. 
make this valley full of ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. One, notice that it's, it's the valley. They're not having a mountaintop experience. They're in a hard spot. They're in a dry spot. And again, they're, they're tired and they're dirty and they're, and they're sore and they're dehydrated. And he says, Here, here's what God says. Grab a shovel. This is kind of where God life gets interesting. We're usually hoping and praying that God will show up and do something extraordinary. We call it, we're waiting on God. But in reality, God's actually waiting on us. You know, think about all the the personal promises, and they're, they're awesome. You know, all my children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of my children. It's a great promise, but i got a question for you tonight. Have you dug any ditches? Have you dug any ditches? Do you, what do you mean? Do you get your kids to church on a regular basis, more times in it than not, or are you teaching them that other things are more important? What are the ditches you're digging? My house shall be a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. I've got a question for you. Are you digging any ditches? Are your words to your spouse, to your family, are they words of life and hope and, and peace? Or are you screaming, expecting them to make a lot of changes? Telling everybody else they... They need to learn to deal with your attitude. All my needs shall be provided by the Lord. It's a great promise. But are you digging ditches? Or are you burying yourself? Are you digging a ditch? Are you a giver? I'm not talking about not even if it's tight. I'm talking about especially when. It's tight. Do you really, really, really want God to bless you financially? Dig more than one ditch. Look at what he says. Make this valley full of ditches. You know, you know what he said to him? I mean, these guys are in trouble and they call the prophet and he comes out and he says, this is what God says. Go to work. They came looking for inspiration. God came looking for participation. You're wanting a breakthrough in different areas of your life, and God's wanting you to start digging ditches. Look at verse 17. For thus says the Lord, you're not going to see wind, you're not going to see rain. And I think in that one king said, what? You know, show me a rain cloud and I'll break out a shovel. And that's not how God works. You know, faith without works is dead, right? And, and, and faith is, is, is obeying regardless of the consequence. And it's just doing what God's called us to do. And, and he said, you're not going to see the wind. You're not going to see rain. Yet, 
the valley is going to be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. You're not going to, you're not going to feel a light drizzle. You're not going to get a heavy dew. You got dry, sandy heat while you dig. Yet the valley will be filled with water. Well, I'm just going to trust God. And God said, if you really trust me, start digging. I know there's, I know, I know there's people in the room that you've got this, you, you, you have this situation, you've got this thing going right now, and you need God to move, and you're waiting on God to do what only God can do. I mean, only God can make it rain, but He wants you to dig a ditch. It's not that God can't move until you do. It's that He won't. What verse are we on? 18, check it out. This is simple matter in the sight of the Lord. This is a simple matter. I mean, really... Look at your situation. Look at, look at the thing you need. It's really a simple matter in the eyes of the Lord. Matter of fact, look, he will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Look at verse 19. Also, you'll attack every fortified city, every choice city. You're going to cut down every good tree, stop up every spring of water, ruin every good piece of land with stones. He's, what he said is, you know what? God's not only going to stop with giving you water. He will also, he will also, he will also, you know, God's not only going to meet your need, but he will also, he will go above and beyond your wildest expectation. But he's waiting on you to grab a shovel, start digging, right? You know, this is, you know, second, third chair believers, they're, you know, they're just focused on accomplishing any possible thing. First chair guy, we're focusing on accomplishing the impossible. We're putting ourselves, this is, this is not just some, uh, you know, uh, pep rally talk where I tell you that, you know, if you just, if you just get in there and, and apply yourself, you're going to see something. No, I'm telling you that God can literally do stuff that is impossible. But he's looking for your participation. You know, it's, it's one thing. I mean, you think about it. It's one thing. You know, uh, you know we're, we're talking uh, barefoot weekend. And, and, you know, last year we had this many shoes. And we clap. And we celebrate that stuff. But let me tell you who the diggers are. They're the people who took their shoes off and brought them in. Because they're believing for something that would never happen unless God showed up. You know, think about, uh, you know, as a body of believers, we're, we're digging ditches. We, we got, you know, we're believing God to do things that only God could do. You know, we've got 80 acres out here that we're believing God's going to uh, uh, use to provide the finances to build the building. And a lot of people, let me tell you what, a lot of people clap. But let me tell you who the ditch diggers are. They're the ones who, every time they drive by, they circle it in prayer. 
and they, and they start thanking God. You know, because they're believing for impossible things. I love ditch diggers. Look at your neighbor and say, I love ditch diggers. It's kind of like if God doesn't show up, this isn't going to happen. Right? Now I'm going to dig a ditch. I'm going to dig a ditch. It's like a Hail Mary. Right? A Hail Mary. You know what that is? That means if God don't show up, there ain't no way in hell this is going to happen. It's a simple matter in the sight of the Lord that he will also, he will also, he will go beyond anything you ever dreamt of. Look at this in 2 Kings 3.20. The next morning, everybody say the next morning. You know, when you get into obedience with God, it don't take him long to show up. And, and, and one thing, there's just a couple of points here I want to make that, that one thing that's really cool about this revelation, if you can get this revelation, that, that when you, when you begin to obey, you ain't even got to dig all the ditches all the way. You just start digging and God just kind of shows up. And, and it's cool because God, you know, I, I, I used to hear people all the time talk about that God's never early, but he's always on time. And I quit confessing that. Because, uh, I learned that God's, God's not trying to see how good your grip is. Let's see if he can hang it in there for a while. God ain't messing with you. As a matter of fact, the, the length of your storm is actually a testimony of the level of your stubbornness. If you don't believe me, ask Jonah. I mean, you know the first three words in the second chapter of the book of Jonah? Then Jonah prayed. And had that one king been anywhere near, he would have said, what? You waited till then? You waited till you had been thrown overboard, swallowed by a great fish, seaweed wrapped around your head, crying from the belly of hell? You should have been praying long before that. You know, if, if, if you will start to obey, look at the next morning. It don't take long for God to respond. And, and, and the other point about that is that I, that I just think, you know, this is just my own thought. But I think that because our, our seasons of obedience sometimes are so short-lived that God has to hurry up to be a part of it. Hmm? He wants you to remember that when you obeyed, He was there. Right? So He's got a little window of opportunity. So he, here He comes. <laughs> About the time for offering the sacrifice. Don't you think it's about time to offer sacrifice? I'm not talking about going out and getting a bale of wheat or, you know, finding a bull. We offer the sacrifice of praise. So for our life, it would really be just as soon as people began to praise God. There it was. The land was filled with water. You know, having been marching around long enough that you're, you've dealt with the dirt and the wind and the, and the dryness and, and you, you need God to move, then, 
doesn't it just kind of make sense that you would find a shovel and dig a ditch? Whatever the area of your life is, that you just start there. I mean, isn't it obvious there's a nail sticking out of your forehead? And what you need is just to obey God. And just do what he tells you to do. And everything you do, do it to bring him glory. You know, it's it's Colossians 3:17 again, you know that that whatever you do, no matter what it is, do it giving thanks. You know, and just start thanking God. Check out one more verse, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 in the Amplified. Don't you know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you might lay hold of it. Run your race. Run your race. Dig your ditch. You know, if, if, if your race, if this heat of the event if what you need is marital breakthrough, then start digging there. You know, if it's financial strength, start digging there. If it's physical wellness, start digging there. Whatever it is, just don't get caught waiting when you're supposed to be digging. Hello, somebody. I said, don't don't hang around and wait and and when God's expecting you to dig. Man, go to work and believe that God's going God's, God's gonna to bring a breakthrough because you're actually going to do what he says to do. Um, I, I know the ways of God, and I know that the will of God is inside the ways of God, so I'm just going to start doing it God's way and watch his will unfold in my life. His will is not that we would die in the desert. His will is that he could fill this place with water, Right? I'm just going to believe God, and I'm going to obey God, and I'm going to go to work and quit waiting for God to do all of it without me. So instead of looking for inspiration, I'm going to give some participation. And I'm going to change my mindset and, and, and put it on, a, on higher things and realize that, you know, the, the, way I, the way I go to church, I'm going to do it different because I'm going to come to dig a well. When I go to work, I'm going to, I'm going to be digging, I'm going to be digging a ditch. I'm, when, when I'm dealing with my wife, I'm, I'm going to dig, I'm going to be digging ditches. I'm going to make this valley full of ditches. Anticipating greater things. Instead of saying, yes, I want greater things, but not doing anything to prepare for it. See, because I think that if God opened the floodgates and poured onto you, it, without the ditch, without the ditch being dug, you couldn't contain what God's about ready to do. God, God wants to fill your life with abundance, but you've got to be willing to dig a ditch. Amen? Amen? Look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm going to start digging ditches. I think we're going to have a ditch digging initiative and, and just start digging ditches. Amen. Close your book. Bow your head. Let me pray for you.